0: Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N 29.com. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team.
1: And Welcome to episode 421 of the Battery Power Podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you into the night here on a Saturday in early October. I'm joined by Scott Coleman. And Scott, this is not going to be a fun episode to record because the Braves were generally lifeless on the offensive side of things on this game one evening.
2: Hey, Brad. Yeah, I mean, about as frustrating of an opening playoff game that you're going to watch I I really do try not to let games get to me too much, and maybe it's my older age. I have matured and calmed over the years from playoff disappointments, but I mean, let's not sugarcoat it. Tonight's game was very bad. It was frustrating. It was disappointing. It was lifeless for a lot of it, and uh, certainly, series is not over, but a real blow to lose Game 1 at home.
1: Yeah, and clearly we'll focus on that for the majority of this podcast, but uh, if you were somehow under a rock, the Braves go down at our shutout on this Saturday evening in game one. The Braves had not been shut out all season at home, which I will admit I did not know until tonight, that they only had been shut out twice all season long, and both of those were on the road. That is a pretty crazy stat. Also, courtesy of TBS on the broadcast, the last time that the MLB leader in runs scored, which was the Braves by a comfortable margin this year, was shut out in game one of the playoffs was 2001. So that's, that's two plus decades ago. Uh, the Braves had this weird Game 1 thing in the NLDS, but they just cannot win. They're 1-10 in 10 in the last 11, and the only win was against the Marlins, the hapless COVID season 2020 Marlins. So uh, all bad stuff there. Um, Stephen did throw this out there. I'm contractually required to say out loud that the Braves did lose Game 1 of the 2021 NLDS in fairly similar fashion. They had four hits in that game. They wasted a good Charlie Morton outing in that game. It was very similar to tonight, but all that said... Uh, different situation now, obviously. Um, let's start here, Scott, because I, I saw someone just throw this uh, in, in our mentions just now. Uh, even, I would say, you even more so than I was coming in, we're talking about how important game one was. Uh, through that lens, I mean, we're gonna get into all of this all of the, all of these specifics, but uh how are we feeling now, generally speaking? Because obviously this is a podcast that is kind of known for being relatively even keel, but as you just teased, it's not necessarily the most fun to do that. At this point at, at, at this point in time, and I know again that you were a pretty high in game one. So uh through all that said, how are we feeling? Big picture.
2: Uh not great, Brad. I I'll be honest. I'm not gonna sit here and and paint a rosy picture losing this game when Spencer Strider threw a phenomenal game, quite honestly, seven innings, only two runs, was very sharp. Uh, I mean, the Braves just didn't show up. And now the fact that they, I mean, game two is now an obvious must win, uh, (laughs) even more so than it was 24 hours ago. And and then, you know, the fact is, and we'll talk about Kyle Wright and his injury a little bit later, but it is going to be a Bryce Elder and full-fledged bullpen game in game three on the road, which is scary. As we outlined in the preview, Philadelphia has been very, very good over the last 15 or so years at home in the playoffs. So, um, again, man, I mean, they they have certainly lost game one of a series before and went on to win. They have to win three out of four now. It is not over. But I'll be honest, man, my, my confidence is pretty low. It was a really deflating baseball game tonight. And with just the way the pitching is going to line up the rest of the way, The Braves are very much facing an uphill battle from this point.
1: That is definitely the case. you know. And again, even taking the more uh, traditional, even-handed approach that we take on the podcast now, I'll play that role for now and just say that even if you are taking that approach, the Braves losing this game at home and the way the pitching sets up the rest of the series, I'm not only having to win three out of four like you lay out, which is just a simple math, but also um, this is the... I think pretty clearly most advantageous pitching matchup of the series on paper for the Braves. And they lose that one at home. They were minus 200 or so favorites in this game. And now, I mean, no surprise here to anyone paying attention, but the Braves are now underdogs in the series in the betting market. And that is the, that's correct. Um, no matter how, no matter how how much we think or might think the Braves are better than the Phillies. And I still do believe that now this is the peril of a five game series, especially if you take one bad loss in a game that you probably needed to win big picture. Um, even the best team in the league facing the worst team in the league is not a notable favorite to, to win three out of four. And that's where the Braves now are facing uh, without home field and with um, some pitching stuff uh, sort of going uphill in the next couple of days. But all that said, we'll get into the, to the specifics now, but I at least wanted to paint that picture. Uh, obviously, uh, I think people were kind of expecting us to be a little bit more even-handed, but I, I'm I'm not there, and you, you aren't either at this point. It's one of those uh, brutal evenings. And, yes, there is some room for uh, – some noise and I guess the first thing we have to talk about unfortunately because uh it's it's narrative bingo in some ways Scott is that the lineup changed today so I hesitate to put this at the top of the podcast because uh at least for me I won't speak for you um I think this is one of those things that is that was always going to be overplayed in one direction or the other in fact I literally tweeted before the game there's gonna be two outcomes here if the Braves win game one snit and company will be bra- will be praised for being aggressive and bold. And if they lose, people are going to be screaming about the lineup change. And Scott, they lost. So people are screaming about the lineup change. Yeah. Uh, so how are you feeling about this? I, I guess in-, in your best way here, go back four hours as we're recording this podcast. How did you feel about it pregame? And then uh, obviously with the benefit of hindsight, where are you at now on the lineup change?
2: So when the lineup came out, I was a little confused just because this lineup has been rolling so well, and while they have shifted a couple of things around at the bottom, just as guys like Sean Murphy and Eddie Rosario have have slowed down over the last month, there was really no change at all to the top five, top six in the order. So of course, you go and change what's been working for months, which I found odd, although I, I understood it. I think they were clearly trying to provide some protection for Matt Olson by moving Ozzie Albies behind him. As we know very well, Ozzie mas- mashes left-handed pitching. It moved Austin Riley up to the second spot in the order, uh, who Austin maybe didn't have a world blazing season for his standards, but a very good hitter. So I don't hate moving him up. Uh, They moved Michael Harris up to the sixth spot. So tactically, I understood what they were doing. And I wasn't, I'm not going to pretend like I was banging the table and saying, this is horrible. What are you doing? What are you doing? But at the same time, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And I, I think now it is only fair to question why you would change a lineup that quite literally just broke a bunch of records and set some history.
1: Yeah. So this is a difficult one to talk about because there is, there is nuance here. I think where you just got to is where I was the whole time. Um, I saw the car crash coming in slow motion, so to speak. Like, uh, I mean, not that it matters in the grand scheme, but if you do this, you open yourself up to criticism, uh, which again, if you're a bright sticker and you have a world series and, um, and just, just for the record, uh, I, this is how this works. not even just like my opinion, but, um, people are going to put this on snit. I'm my opinion is that the front office, number one, the front office does have input on the lineup, uh, especially, especially in the playoffs. And number two, this felt like a front office move to me. (laughs) I got to, I got to be honest with you. It's not what did not not reflect to me, but anyway, um, at a baseline level, this move is one that gets you second guessed. If you do nothing and the lineup goes out there and um, lays an egg. Yeah. I mean, no one's going to have fun, but, this is going to magnify it even more so. So they had to know that going in. That's, I mean, they have obviously carte blanche with the way they've made all, all the success in the last couple of years, but that's something. And I, I I thoroughly do not believe the Braves lost this game or did not perform on offense because the lineup change. I, I mean, I, yeah. that's my opinion. That's my opinion. Uh, people, I would agree. No, people no, just, people I, disagree I, with that,
2: it, but that's my opinion. It is an easy it's an easy straw man to beat up that Certainly. they only lost this game because the lineup changed. The fact is, the Braves had, they didn't capitalize with runners in scoring position. They run into a little bit of bad luck as well. And Philadelphia pitched well. I mean, the, their pitching staff deserves credit. Let's not act like they were throwing hanging curves down the middle of the pipe all night and the Braves were just swinging through them. Um, you know, it really is a collection of all the above, I think.
1: Yeah. And again, we're not going to litigate the entire thing, but. You could say, and I would, uh, in fact, I'm looking at it right now, the number one win probability loss for the Braves tonight on the offensive side was Ronald Acuna striking out with first and third and one out. Ronald Acuna, it was in his traditional lineup spot. Ronald Acuna was the best player in the National League this season, and that guy struck out in the biggest moment of the game for your offense. So that, without it happening either way, sure, people can argue that all day long if they want to. But like Ozzy Albee's moved down in the lineup. He got on base twice. Uh, you know, Austin Riley got a hit late. Um, he did he had a, he had a strikeout too. Like, I would I have done this? Would I have changed the lineup? No, I would not have. And I would have said that five hours ago. Um, it sounds like you agree with me on that. Like you wouldn't have changed the lineup either. Um
2: Yeah. I mean but I, like I think the reason they I, lost, was, like you
1: know, it's just it's tough, man.
2: Yeah, I, I did not feel super strongly either way. But yeah. I don't want to sit here and lie and make myself look good and say, no, I was texting every person on the planet saying this <laughs> was a huge mistake. And of course, with hindsight, if you could do it all over and turn back the clock, you would roll out the lineup that had been so successful. Um, ultimately. I don't know if moving Aussie, Albies back two spots and Austin Riley up one spot. And you know, the, the, the minutia of these decisions is probably not going to sway a game one way or the other, but it, it looks pretty bad when you just got shut out. And other than a couple of innings where you left some runners on base, I mean, it was a pretty lifeless showing from the lineup all night long.
1: It certainly was. And just throw some numbers out there just to kind of say how odd the lineup changes were like Austin Riley hit second once this season. Once Ozzie always had not, had not hit cleanup since June 10th. Like it just was a change that uh, it sounded like the TBS, I'm not sure if you're listening to it. Um, TBS, I, I think, got a, a separate interview with, with Snit where they kind of got a little bit more color on the changes. And it felt like they that Snit kind of told them that it was basically geared around, like you said, protecting Olsen, kind of knowing that Philadelphia was going to have a short leash on Suarez, like not, uh, and kind of just like trying to wall off what was going to happen with Philadelphia's bullpen where they, um, I think correctly and did a good job. I mean, unfortunately for the Braves, the folks did a good job kind of attacking this game and, um, trying to get through like one lineup or one, up, one trip to the lineup at a time basically. And like, I get it. It's explainable. And if you are a baseball nerd, like we are around the numbers and the analytics and however, however you want to say that, um, you can make a very coherent argument to change the lineup in the way they did. Um, But at the end of the day, I wouldn't have done it. (laughs) Neither would have you. So uh, it's just it's a weird thing. I I hope it doesn't become the prevailing conversation of the series. But I have a feeling, Scott, that if they lose, it's going to linger for a long time.
2: So let me ask you this, Brad. Monday, game two, do they go back to the original lineup or do they stick with it?
1: They kind of have an interesting out here. Um, They can kind of go back to the to the original lineup without having to fully you know turn tail and run kind of thing because they're facing a righty and, and 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 they're also facing arguably the best pitcher in the national league this season in zach wheeler on monday who's a, again a dominant righty so like you could expect him to go a little bit deeper in the game than suarez who didn't even get one out of the fourth tonight uh even though he pitched pretty well uh so man i'd kind of be fascinated if they didn't do it To be honest, as a sicko, like I I would be I really would be like almost in awe if Snit did the same thing again. But maybe he will. I I don't I don't know. I know one thing. In fact, we're recording this podcast pretty much immediately after the game is over. I am quite confident Snit will be asked about it after the game. Uh, I'm going to try to monitor the uh, the old Twitter machine and see what happens there. Uh, But uh, we don't have that information as we're recording this podcast. I don't know what he's going to do, but. Man, I can only imagine the tweets that will come if the lineup is the same as it was tonight on Monday yeah. Monday morning.
2: Yeah, I, I'm going to guess they go back to what has worked and just kind of sweep game one under the rug. Ultimately, again, I don't think it makes a massive difference, but man, I mean, you you can't get shut <laughs> out in game one of a playoff series, man. especially with this team in this lineup. I mean, well, yeah. you... Th-
1: this lineup against, and again, crucially, look, I, I thought Suarez was good, to be honest. But that wasn't Zach Wheeler, man. Like you're facing their third starter.
2: Yeah, I mean the Braves came into the day with the the heaviest betting odds to win. So Spencer Strider, I know he triggers people because they you know they think strikeouts are bad or whatever. But Spencer Strider against Ranger Suarez in a bullpen game, no matter how good Philadelphia's bullpen is, I mean that that's an advantage, man. You you can't lose games like this, and I mean just the The big picture of how they lost tonight, they gave up more or less one legitimate run. They gave up the solo home run to Bryce Harper, who always hits the Braves, but there was the very weird error on the pickoff throw that naturally came around to score, and then the controversial catcher's interference, whether or not it was interference, that we'll probably never know.
1: We'll come back um, to that, because I have some updated information on that, Scott.
2: Yeah, talk. yeah. So, I mean, just... I mean, look, man, if you go out and you lose a game 10 to nothing, it's one thing. But to lose a game like this, I think it's just so much more frustrating because on the margins, it was so much closer than than just getting blown away. Just um, all around frustrating. I am just like you, very curious to see what kind of changes, if any, they make. Um, But God, man, let's hope the lineup (laughs) shows up in game two, because tonight was pretty disheartening.
1: It was. Um, and look, we've talked about this before we started recording. <laughs> as far as like in-game decision-making and things, this wasn't the most like heavily managed baseball game. There were some things, you know, Philadelphia, um, because of what happened with Toronto last week, um, when they yanked Suarez, there were a lot of the, the more national folks that I follow. that were like, man, we're doing this again, huh? Um, but it didn't actually bite them. So it won't be more of a talking point. And for Snit, like he didn't really do anything again, other than the lineup change. Um in game that got a lot of attention. So like, we're not going to go through every single blow by blow of this entire game, but we're going to hit the highlights. Now, I suppose it's a good time to do it. Um, they got actually the Braves had a pretty high win probability swing in their favor. The only one of the whole night was the double play in the first inning that Strider got after giving up the leadoff double to Schwarber. Um, that was a nice uh, escape Houdini act. And he really settled in after that. Uh, in fact, let's just do this right now. You brought it up. I, it blows my mind. I think it, mo- it mostly is on the fringes of the fan base that I have seen. But can we just dispel the notion now that he, that starter was bad tonight? Cause that, that's insane. Like I've seen like people talking about how he didn't do his job and like he's your number one starter. And I'm like, guys, he pitched very well. Like he made a very, very bad error that was on him. Um, and that's certainly worth noting. And we'll come back to it, but like big picture in the 2023 world of baseball for your starter to go seven full innings and allow two runs that guy did his job like capital, you know, capital D capital J did his job. Like, I don't know what else to say.
2: Yeah, Yeah, no, I agree completely. Spencer Strider is far from the reason why the Braves lost tonight. He, I mean, I thought he did a really nice job. The couple of times he got into trouble, worked in and out of it really nicely, of course, had the one unfortunate pickoff error it was with bad two, <laughs> with, with two strikes yeah with, with two strikes and two outs oh just just throw the ball home man you know yeah. what i mean D- don't Please. don't worry about it um but um uh, yeah i mean if, if you're blaming spencer strider for the loss tonight you need to I just evaluate your baseball yeah your your baseball evaluation process because he was like item number 11 on my list of reasons why atlanta lost the game tonight
1: yeah and some numbers here strider Although that error was his first of the season, which makes it even more brutal. Like he had not had an error this season. (laughs) 0-2 count, two outs, and you throw the ball into the stands. And then that guy immediately comes around to score. It's like, all right, give you one of those nights. Um, Also,
2: it's inevitable the second that ball got thrown away. You know what I mean? It's like the the moment that error happened, it's like, well, that run's going to come in to score now because you just can't give away, can't make mistakes like that in the playoffs and live to tell about it.
1: The other one was, of course, the Bryce Harper home run. And look, that's a, it wasn't even a terrible pitch, but Bryce Harper is an, you know, a potential like Hall of Fame player. He's an excellent superstar player. Uh, He hit the ball a long way and very, very fast. In fact, it was the hardest hit ball against Strider in his entire career per stat cast. That's insane. So that that was the one real mistake of the night. But even then, it's like, it's Bryce Harper. So what are you going to do?
2: Right, and and it's it's one run. I mean, you gave up the one it's run a solo on the, home run, right? The solo home run, and then the one uh, blunder on the throwing error, and that was it, man. I mean, he he had everything working. The velocity was tremendous. He was throwing strikes, only had a couple of walks. He was getting ahead of hitters for the most part. So, I mean, Spencer Strider is not the reason the team lost tonight. A tremendous competitor. I don't know if you caught the clip brad of how he i think he was like arguing with rick Kranitz after the seven innings he wanted to go back out there
1: oh that and that that kind of that kind of caused the fan base like there was some people talking about how like that was why the braves gave up the third run in the eighth is because they took Strader out and it's like guys i get it like but you don't usually have a guy go into the eighth losing number one like no. that, again not not his fault but like that was that was the time to take him out. Like I know he wanted to stay in, which is a, a credit to him, and he was pitching well enough. Where like wasn't like a total ridiculous notion that he would stay in. But I mean, yeah, he he wanted to stay in. It was it was pretty obvious.
2: Yeah, no, he I mean he was he left it all out there. Gave the Braves. I mean, if I told someone eight hours ago that Spencer Strider was going to go seven innings, only give up two runs, only a handful of hits, I mean, you would take that ten you times have out of ten. Yes. With With this lineup, what it has done for the last six months, and knowing that it's Suarez in a bullpen game, especially a lefty who the Braves have mashed all year, you would take that 10 times out of 10. So just, uh, yeah, man, I mean, I think that's just why it was such a frustrating night. You look back on this one, and and maybe the Braves are going to bounce back. Maybe they win game two. Perhaps they split in Philly and then come back and win game five to take the series or however the math works. But regardless of where this series ultimately ends up, it just feels like this game one loss is going to be really tough to shake.
1: Yeah, and beyond Strider, look, I mean, the I agree with you 100% on the hypothetical about his line. Big picture run prevention, like you allow three runs, you're supposed to win. I mean, this is a very broad way to look at it. But the Braves led baseball this year in runs scored with 5.85 per game. The worst team in the league offensively was Oakland. They averaged 3.6 runs a game so you held the Phillies to less runs in this game than the worst offense in the league average this year. And you have to take that. It is, it is what it is. Like would it have been better if they hadn't allowed the third run in the eighth? Sure. Would it have been better if Strider hadn't had the the bonehead error? Sure. But they would have lost one, nothing. (laughs) Uh, So it's like, I don't know, we, we can, we'll come back to it, but it's uh, there's all kinds of things that we can go down the rabbit hole on tonight's game. Um, We mentioned the throwing error, uh, Michael Harris struck out in the second highest leverage spot of the night uh, in the fourth inning with the bases loaded. Um, the Braves left seven guys on base in, in tonight's game and all seven were left in three innings. It was the fourth, it was the fifth, and it was the eighth. Um, and all just with some, you know, with guys that you would love at the plate Acuna in the fifth Michael in the in the fourth. And then uh, of course the, the Aussie double play, which was just insane by Trey Turner in the eighth for as bad as the offense was, and they had five hits and three walks. They had three good opportunities to score, and they scored no runs.
2: Yeah, I mean, just – and I went back and looked. I thought the Phillies pitched Ronald Acuna really well all night. They did. They they pitched him inside, and really only one ball the entire night was over the plate where Ronald, of course, likes to get his his arms extended and drive the ball. So they did a really good job of pitching to him. Uh, Austin Riley had a, a great opportunity, couldn't cash in. Michael Harris as well. I mean, the, the bases loaded, not scoring is a is a backbreaker. And, I mean, between the fourth, loading the bases and not scoring. And then I think the fifth was even worse. It was. You have runners on first and third. With, with one the, out. And it's running. With, yeah, yeah. With the MVP and your franchise third baseman at the plate. And you don't even get one run. Right? Like, sure, maybe you don't get the three-run homer. Maybe you don't go for a six-run inning but to not hit a fly ball there to tie the game at 1-1 would have been big just kind of for the vibes to to get a run in uh, just beyond frustrating
1: and look sometimes you have to tip your cap a little bit and i mentioned the highest numbers player that off, on off, on offense was the acuña strikeout that was quite literally a perfect pitch like perfect now he's got a, he's got a swing there and i'm not arguing otherwise um, you can't take a you cannot take a cold third strike in that spot if you're on Acuna. But it really was a, a perfect pitch. Right underneath his arms, right on the corner inside. Um, it was borderline, for sure. But, like, that's exactly where he wanted to throw the pitch. And that's where he hit it. And, like, the Phillies were just better tonight. And that was one of those moments. And, I mean, the on, the the only moment on offense that was, like, unlucky was the, the eighth inning. So we could fast forward there. We all know the kind of deal at this point in time. It was already 3 nothing at this point. But the one time there were some good vibes late, was in the eighth. Ronnie gets a leadoff walk. Then Philly makes a pitching change. Riley hits a single. Olson, <laughs> you mentioned it. I'll, I'll throw it to you now. Uh, Olson's plate appearance was like low-key big, even though it wasn't quite as uh, noticeable. But um, what did you see from Olsen? I'll throw it to you.
2: Just, uh, man, you know, it was a 3-2 pitch. Olsen almost got hit in the hand by yep. the pitch, but still swung and fouled it off. So, the difference there would have been bases loaded, nobody out. Instead, Olsen fouls it off, almost tied the game with the home run, hit a ball to left center, just missed it, ended up advancing Ronald to third base. So, you know, you go from having bases loaded, nobody out, to runners on the corners and one out, which is not a bad setup by any means. But then the cherry on top, the kind of the Perfect microcosm of the entire game for the Braves was Ozzie Albies just smoking a line drive and Trey Turner, the uh, the longtime ne- nemesis, Trey Turner, making a, a phenomenal play. I mean, you, you kind of have to tip your cap, a diving stop, flipped it to second, and then they fired it over for the double play. I mean, it was just kind of a perfect summary of the game tonight was that eighth inning. It seemed like the Braves were going to do their thing. That late inning magic, that instant offense, you blinked and they had two on, nobody out with Olsen, Albies, and Ozuna coming up. And within about seven pitches, the inning was over.
1: Yeah. And again, that was the only time of the whole night where the Braves having any kind of stall was... Unlucky. I would say that was actually unlucky, given the way that the Aussie batted ball happens. And look, a lot of shortstops, that's that's, that, that's straight in the outfield. Even more shortstops, that might have been knocked down, but not a double play. I mean, Trey Turner's well, awesome. <laughs> yeah, and
2: hit, and hit so hard right. that it was a double play. I mean, if it it's like a, a play that Turner has to go up middle to field and like just barely flips it to the second baseman to get one out a- at the very least who who is very fast makes it to first base. It's not a double play. You score a run. The inning is still going. Who knows what happens? But I mean, just kind of a perfect storm of the one thing that could not happen in that situation very naturally happened.
1: Yeah. Um, that's enough of that. We should at least mention out loud that, uh, there was some interesting um umpiring in this game at second base in particular um there was one call that was overturned that i didn't quite understand the overturn on and then there was a second call that was so bad in real time that i was like almost aghast this is the uh the one where uh, ozzy had to reach on the, on the fielder's choice uh, I, as um olsen was going to second and Olson was safe by like a step <laughs> they called him out um that no damage done there, but it was just like I was literally in all that they called that they call him out in real time. Um, and then of course, the more I guess damaging or you know, to the scoreboard one was the catcher's interference. Um, I'm glad in some ways that this game did not end 3 2, because that would have been uh living for all time. Uh, as an update here, Sean Murphy, according to Justin Toscano, the AJC said that he thought he touched the bat, um, in the post game. Uh, and he didn't say that he, he, he did say that he didn't really feel it, but he thought he touched it. So hopefully that will quiet a little bit. Like I thought there was nothing on replay um, to show that the bat had touched the glove on the catcher's interference, but, uh, you know, Jeff Rancor, who's on the TBS broadcast, of course, local guy as well. Um, he noted that Murphy reacted quickly, and I'm sure that was part of the calculus as well. And again, I'm saying this post game, he apparently told the media that he thought he touched the bat. So not as controversial, even though it didn't look like you touched it.
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, I think my my feeling with Major League Baseball's replay system is there's just no consistency. No, right? The what is confirmed versus what is overturned, and when is there clear and convincing evidence? And the fact that they go off of what was called on the field, which is of course not always right. I mean, it's just not a great system. I I don't know how you can overturn the Ozzy Albies throw at second base, the stolen base. I I don't know how you can overturn that, but not overturn the catcher's interference call when on replay at least, which is what they're looking at, there was no clear and convincing evidence from at least any of the public camera angles that showed that that Murphy hit him. Now, um, ultimately, as you said, I'm glad it was not a one-run game because it would probably be even more magnified than it was. Again, the Braves did not lose this game because of the incompetence of MLB's replay system. Uh, But yeah, man, just there's, it was a bad night for the umpiring crew. The home plate zone was, was okay, not, not great, not terrible. Um, And uh, yeah, I mean, it was just more fuel on the fire to how frustrating of a night it was.
1: Uh, Yes, it was in every conceivable way. Um, We could talk about the bullpen more. You know, Minter wasn't his best. Pierce Johnson was fine other than the catcher's interference. He didn't have a walk, but what, what are you going to do? Um, an unsung play that doesn't matter now was that uh, it was a heck of a play by Orlando Arcia to end the eighth inning to keep it at three, nothing um, to keep them alive. And for a minute in the bottom half of the eighth, I was thinking, man, that Arcia play is going to go down forever. If they, if they can score three runs here and tie this thing, uh, it didn't matter, but that was a nice play by Orlando up the middle to save at least one, if not two runs. Um, that's all I got on the actual game itself. Again, they five hits, all single, I mean this for this lineup, and we we talked about it for this lineup, arguably the best lineup in the history of baseball, most powerful, first 500 500 percentage, all that stuff, to have zero extra base hits. I mean <laughs> baseball's yeah, I mean, a weird game, man, but come on.
2: Yeah, they were they were struggling to even drive the ball to the outfield tonight. Like it wasn't like other than Matt Olson, I can't think of a single plate appearance where like Just missed, right? Like Ronald hits one to the warning track, or Michael Harris lines a ball that just happened to find an outfielder's glove. It was pathetic. I think their expected batting average tonight on Statcast was like one seventy or something like that. It
1: got up, it got up a little bit higher late in the game, but yeah, it was it was in the low two hundreds. And yeah, to back you up, by the way, the only ball off the Braves' bat that went more than three hundred and thirty six feet was the olsen fly out to the warning track, and the only other one was a. Pretty harmless Austin Riley lineout that had 100, uh, a hundred a one hundred exit uh, expected batting average. So like, none of the, you know even balls who went a little, that went a little bit further were really dangerous. The Braves had some ex- had some high exit velocity plays. They were all like on the ground. There was only one play that was like really unlucky off the bat and it was this, uh, Ozuna line out. I think it was, was that, was that a Turner? I can't remember. Yeah. Um, he
2: smoked it right. He at smoked Trader.
1: one right at Turner. And that was, I think that was the only one I'm looking at the Statcast data now that was like bad beat from X, ex- ex- uh, expected batting average. So not a whole lot going on there other than, you know, the Olson awesome play, but yeah, I mean, got to go get him again in game two and we'll come back to that at the very end of the podcast. We'll do a little bit of a preview and see if, uh, if Scott now was picking the Phillies to sweep the series. <laughs> um, <laughs> briefly uh, though we should at least talk about the rest of the the other stuff um of course i mean i don't know about you i have no desire to talk about um the rest of the lineup decisions the rest sorry the roster decisions other than the fact that kyle wright is going to be out for all of 2024 which is obviously a big thing that we'll, we'll spend more time on that in november and december but given that uh you are a known kyle wright enthusiast this is just a brutal brutal calendar year for kyle wright i mean it already was before this but like for him to be number one, not only gone for the rest of this season, but probably going to miss the entire 24 season. It's just awful.
2: Yeah. I mean, just crushing for Kyle. He, it sounds like based on some reporting that came out after the game tonight, he was trying to pitch through his shoulder problem in the hopes of, of making the playoff roster and pitching. So clearly this is a guy who was not phoning it in. He was doing everything humanly possible to pitch through the pain and I mean, shoulder injuries for pitchers are scary. The The fact that Justin Toscano of the AJC reported that it sounds like the medical staff doesn't fully know the exterity or the severity, I'm sorry, the severity, exterity, God, Brad, I'm losing my mind, uh, the severity <laughs> of the shoulder injury um, until they go in and start scoping it out and cleaning it. So Wright's going to miss all of 2024. We, of course, will have a... A lengthy discussion about this this organization and the rotation in the offseason and what they might have to do now but we know for a fact that Kyle will very likely miss all of 2024 and just a real bummer uh, they even talked to Max Fried in the pregame today and you could just tell Max who is good buddies with Kyle was really bummed about it and um, just a real shame for a kid who has come a long way had a phenomenal season last year and now it's going to be at least another year before he's back out
1: there. Yep. And again, like, like you tease, I mean, they have some decisions to make uh, the guy who was already going to be sort of a pivot point for next year, Charlie Morton, cause he might retire quite frankly and they have this option on him and all that stuff. He, there's an update there. If the Braves can come back and won the series that uh, he seems to be on track for the next round, he threw a bullpen on Friday, no issues. It seemed like from the media um, reporting that was out there. So uh, again that may not matter in the end if the Braves don't win the series but um he is looming out there if they want to come to that and you know the Braves end up t- passing on Jesse Chavez and they are taking Bel Hernandez we'll see if those, we'll see if that matters later on in the series if at any point um but that's a question mark and we'll come back to that if we need to um the rest of the episode episodes were talked about yesterday on the uh, podcast network by Sean so we'll leave it now we'll leave it now at the end of this uh grueling game one performance um okay, Scott before we get out of here on a relatively shortened episode on the weekend and after what just happened, game two is Monday at 6.07, same time at Truist. Uh it's uh it's the big one in a lot of ways. It's Max Freed against Zach Wheeler. And that's pretty even. I was trying to see what the betting Markets said about game two in particular, because I, I did I did see multiple times now different books that are out there. The Braves are again unexpectedly, sorry, expectedly at this point underdogs in the series because of the math the braves are though favored in game two with freed on the mound at home and i'm seeing that now but um i'll just say this wheeler literally led all of baseball in terms of starting pitchers in fan war this year he was lower than that in baseball reference but uh he is at an, on the short list i don't know what you want to say scott um conservatively the best 10 pitchers in the world zach wheeler something like that
2: yeah, yeah. Uh, so I mean I love that it's tough it sucks that Zach Wheeler is on the Phillies because he's one of my favorite guys in the league and has been very good for a long time
1: yeah and he's great against righties uh he's okay I mean he's still good against lefties but not in, not dominant so um he, he he allowed a 548 OPS to righties this year so uh tough sledding for guys like Ronnie and Austin and uh, that side of the plate potentially in this game. Uh, he also was good against the Braves in two starts, one on run allowed at 14 innings. Uh, freed, small sample size, of course, this year, but has still been good when he's pitched. Um, he's a guy that uh, I trust immensely, so that's nice. Um, but it's going to be uh, interesting. Like this kind of profile as the game that might have been low scoring in the series um, more so than tonight. Um, and certainly no uh, nothing easy coming for the Braves and facing Wheeler how do you feel about game two in particular before we dive into uh, one more final look at the rest of the series?
2: Yeah, man. I mean,
1: gosh, Brad, they, <laughs> they, they got to find
2: a way. I mean, I if, can, if I can down, feel it in
1: your voice, Scott. I can feel it from over here. We're 3000 miles away. I can just hear it.
2: So, yeah. Uh, we're on the same wavelength. Um, I mean, they can't go down O2 to uh, Philadelphia. I mean, prob- that, probably not. No, that that has humiliation potential all over it.
1: I look, and listen, Scott, more, most importantly, I don't wanna to have to do my solemn duty on Monday evening and come on this podcast and say that the series isn't over if it's not O2. I don't wanna do that. I don't wanna do that. You know what I mean? Like I'm gonna to have to if they lose If they lose on Monday, my brain will not allow me to come on this podcast and say, all right, it's over. But Scott, you know I don't wanna do that. Yeah, <laughs> I just don't I don't want I don't want to do that because I'm that I get then I get yelled at for being positive. You know, I'm not being positive. I'm just being logical. All those things. Just don't just don't lose game two. Can we not yeah. do this?
2: <laughs> Please find a way to win the baseball game. Um I Look, man, you're giving it to Max Freed, who has been your frontline starter for a handful of years now. A guy who has won game six of the World Series to clinch. So, you know, Max is going to be fired up. The Braves have seen Zach Wheeler quite a bit. He is, of course, very good, so maybe the familiarity there will help. I mean, the lineup can't be any worse than it was tonight, I guess, is the uh, positive then on it. Um, But, yeah, man, I mean, if they can split the series, go 2-2 or 1-1 after two and go in, yes, game three doesn't look great, but you never know what's going to happen. But, yeah, I mean, I... Do we have to do a podcast if they lose on Monday, Brad? I, I
1: will say this, Scott, uh, and I mean this sincerely. Game three, I believe, is less dire for the Braves on paper than game one was for the Phillies on paper.
2: Yep, I would agree.
1: Because, number one, Aaron Nola is not as good as Special Strider. And number two, to that aside, the Braves lineup is really good. So, yes, they'll be the underdog in game three. No matter what happens in game two, the Braves will win 12 to nothing in game two. They will be the underdogs in game three in Philadelphia with a pitching matchup that does not favor them. And we'll talk about that when, when we have to talk about it. But uh, the answer is yes, Scott. We do have to record a podcast on Monday night. My apologies to you. If you yeah, want I'm to nice. fake sick and get out of the podcast, you certainly can. <laughs> uh, we have to do a show of some kind. It might, it might be 10 minutes if they lose. It might it might be a mini Daily Hammer style podcast if they lose. On Monday, but it'll be here no matter what. But let's just not do that, shall we? I know there's yeah. like there's a belief among some that like what we say on Twitter and other places like affects the results on the field. So let's just be positive for a second, Scott.
2: Yeah. Let's man, I in my heart of hearts, I want to believe that this team that has been so good all season long is going to find a way to figure it out. Right? The offense will come to life. Max Fried has a big game in him. The bullpen can hold it and close it out. I really want to hope that this season is not going to end.
1: You don't believe it, Scott. I can I can sense it in your voice. You don't believe it. It's okay. It's okay not to believe it. Look, I mean, I, we open up. We open on the subject where like we're being honest with our listeners. Like I, I think especially you even more so than me. But look, like there's an element of I, I'm an Atlanta sports fan. I know they won the World Series two years ago, but like my 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 default mechanism is is panic. And I, I you know there's yeah. there's a little bit of that right now. <laughs> a little bit of that. Oh right now. yes.
2: I mean. Uh, I said on the preview that game 1 was a very 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 important game for all of the reasons we outlined and they they laid a dud they did I mean they just didn't execute didn't show up had some uh, you know sure there was a little bit of bad luck and maybe questionable umpiring involved too but that was not the reason the Braves lost tonight they had a bunch of chances to score runs and they just they just couldn't do it so let's hope they bounce back on Monday give themselves at least a fighting chance going into Philadelphia because it is statistically speaking. I know that people see fans waving towels and go, Oh, you're never going to win there. I mean, yes, they do have a good crowd, but even statistically speaking, they have been really, really good since citizens bank park opened up. Yep. So uh, yeah, all eyes on, on Monday, I guess.
1: All eyes on Monday and uh, yeah, we'll leave it. We'll leave it there for now. I'll say. Um, you know,
2: Brad, it could be worse. Uh, we're recording this in real time. The uh, Dodgers are losing eight to nothing in the second inning. Clayton Kershaw just walked off the mound after giving up six runs and getting one out. So uh, it's looking like if things don't turn around, this we is might have happen
1: to... again. Are we? Are the Braves and Dodgers going to do the same thing they did last year? I mean, this is really insane.
2: Well, like... in in Baltimore, who also had the week long layoff, looked terrible today. I mean, they they couldn't get much going. They were sloppy. So I don't know. I mean, I know you were on one of the uh, originators of the I hate expanded playoffs for oh, a couple of reasons.
1: Many reasons. And
2: I mean, if if for the second year in a row, these top seeds that get the, the week long layoff, the six day of no baseball and they all lay a dud and let's say three of the four don't advance. I mean, I think it's it might be time to evaluate because there's just something to be said for going every single day for 6 months and then having an entire week off and i don't care maybe you can do workouts maybe you can do open practices or you know whatever it may be but it is uh at least through one day of the playoffs there there seems to be a theme emerging
1: uh it's man it's i'm looking, I'm looking at the dodgers box score it's not going well in los angeles right now uh anyway that's enough of us on this particular evening i'm going to let scott uh, either go to bed or go somewhere else because it's only like dinner time uh, where you live Scott but it's uh, it's bedtime for me um we will as a programming note I'm not sure if there'll be a podcast between now and game two there was some talk about a potential um off day pod but I will not commit to that but please subscribe to the podcast that's the best way to find the show wherever you get your podcast and also just make sure that you always get it when it is delivered to you so if there is a show it'll probably be uh with Sean uh, and maybe a friend alongside Sean but uh, at a bare minimum we'll be back. Barring something crazy, it'll be Scott and I on Monday evening, hopefully after a Braves win that will even the series. And look, Scott, as, as we sign off the podcast, both of our pre-series predictions are still in play. Mine is tougher now than it was. <laughs> as is yours, I suppose. Mine's even tougher now because I picked Braves in four. But uh, still alive, technically.
2: Still Alive, technically. Maybe that can be the title of this podcast. Still alive, technically. Um, yeah. Yeah man just a frustrating night let's hope they can flush this and get it out of their system and bounce back on monday turn this into a real series because it would be just such a disappointment for this year to go out with a whimper in the playoffs but it's uh yeah we'll be here win or lose though if we lose it might be a five minute podcast uh win or lose we will be here
1: in the 2021 at lds the braves lost 2-1 in game one and they won the next three games against milwaukee and they won the world series I'm going to end on that note on today's Love podcast. I'm just show, everyone. I appreciate you for being here, Scott, as always, and during this uh, not fun experience at the end of your Saturday night. But uh, as for everybody else, please subscribe to the podcast. Follow all the stuff on the written side as well, batterypower.com. And we'll see you all next time.